Section 6 of The Green Fairy Book This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Aubrey Kirkham The Green Fairy Book by Andrew Lang Rosanella Everybody knows that though the fairies live hundreds of years, they do sometimes die, and especially as they are obliged to pass one day in every week under the form of some animal, when of course they are liable to accident. It was in this way that death once overtook the queen of the fairies, and it became necessary to call a general assembly to elect a new sovereign. After much discussion, it appeared that the choice lay between two fairies, one called Serpentine and the other Paradimi, and their claims were so equal that it was impossible without injustice to prefer one to the other. Under these circumstances, it was unanimously decided that whichever of the two could show to the world the greatest wonder should be queen, but it was to be a special kind of wonder no moving of mountains or any such common fairy tricks would do. Serpentine, therefore, resolved that she would bring up a prince whom nothing could make constant, while Paradimi decided to display to admiring mortals a princess so charming that no one could see her without falling in love with her. They were allowed to take their own time, and meanwhile the four oldest fairies were to attend to the affairs of the kingdom. Now Paradami had for a long time been very friendly with King Bardondon, who was a most accomplished prince, and whose court was the model of what a court should be. His queen, Balanice, was also charming. Indeed, it is rare to find a husband and wife so perfectly of one mind about everything. They had one little daughter, whom they named Rosanella, because she had a little pink rose printed upon her white throat. From her earliest infancy she had shown the most astonishing intelligence, and the courtiers knew her smart sayings by heart, and repeated them on all occasions. In the middle of the night, following the assembly of fairies, Queen Balanice woke up with a shriek, and when her maids of honor ran to see what was the matter, they found she had had a frightful dream. "'I thought,' said she, that my little daughter had changed into a bouquet of roses, and that as I held it in my hand a bird swooped down suddenly and snatched it from me and carried it away. Let us run and see that all is well with the princess, she added. So they ran, but what was their dismay when they found that the cradle was empty, and though they sought high and low, not a trace of Rosanella could they discover. The queen was inconsolable, and so, indeed, was the king, only being a man he did not say quite so much about his feelings. He presently proposed to Balanice that they should spend a few days at one of their palaces in the country, and to this she willingly agreed, since her grief made the gaiety of the capital distasteful to her. One lovely summer evening, as they sat together on a shady lawn shaped like a star, from which radiated twelve splendid avenues of trees, the queen looked round and saw a charming peasant girl approaching by each path, 
and what was still more singular was that everyone carried something in a basket which appeared to occupy her whole attention as each drew near she laid her basket at balanice's feet saying charming queen may this be some slight consolation to you in your unhappiness the queen hastily opened the baskets and found in each a lovely baby girl about the same age as the little princess for whom she sorrowed so deeply at first the sight of them renewed her grief but presently their charms so gained upon her that she forgot her melancholy in providing them with nursery-maids cradle-rockers and ladies-in-waiting and in sending hither and thither for swings and dolls and tops and bushels of the finest sweetmeats oddly enough every baby had upon its throat a tiny pink rose the queen found it so difficult to decide on suitable names for all of them that until she could settle the matter she chose a special colour for every one by which it was known so that when they were all together they looked like nothing so much as a nosegay of gay flowers as they grew older it became evident that though they were all remarkably intelligent and profited equally by the education they received yet they differed one from another in disposition so much so that they gradually ceased to be known as pearl or primrose or whatever might have been their colour and the queen instead would say where is my sweet or my beautiful or my gay of course with all these charms they had lovers by the dozen not only in their own court but princes from afar who were constantly arriving attracted by the reports which were spread abroad but these lovely girls the first maids of honour were as discreet as they were beautiful and favoured no one but let us return to serpentine she had fixed upon the son of a king who was cousin to bardondon to bring up as her faithful prince she had before at his christening given him all the graces of mind and body that a prince could possibly require but now she redoubled her efforts and spared no pains in adding every imaginable charm and fascination so that whether he appeared to be cross or amiable splendidly or simply attired serious or frivolous he was always perfectly irresistible in truth he was a charming young fellow since the fairy had given him the best heart in the world as well as the best head and had left nothing to be desired but constancy for it cannot be denied that prince mirliflor was a desperate flirt and as fickle as the wind so much so that by the time he arrived at his eighteenth birthday there was not a heart left for him to conquer in his father's kingdom they were all his own and he was tired of every one things were in this state when he was invited to visit the court of his father's cousin king bardondon imagine his feelings when he arrived and was presented at once to twelve of the loveliest creatures in the world and his embarrassment was heightened by the fact that they all liked him as much as he liked each one of them so that things came to such a pass that he was never happy a single instant without them for could he not whisper soft speeches to sweet and laugh with joy while he looked at beauty and in his more serious moments what could be pleasanter than to talk to grave upon some shady lawn while he hand the held the hand of loving in his own and all the others lingered near in sympathetic silence for the first time in his life he really loved though the object of his devotion was not one person but twelve 
to whom he was equally attached and even serpentine was deceived into thinking that this was indeed the height of inconstancy but paradamy said not a word in vain did prince mirliflor's father write commanding him to return and proposing for him one good match after another. One day Nothing the queen gave a large garden party him from his and just as the guests were all assembled, and Prince Mirliflor was as usual dividing his attentions between the twelve beauties, a humming of bees was heard. The rose maidens, fearing their stings, uttered little shrieks and fled altogether to a distance from the rest of the company. Immediately, to the horror of all who were looking on, the bees pursued them, and growing suddenly to an enormous size, pounced each upon a maiden and carried her off into the air, and in an instant they were all lost to view. This amazing occurrence plunged the whole court into the deepest affliction, and Prince Mirliflor, after giving way to the most violent grief at first, fell gradually into a state of such deep dejection that it was feared if nothing could rouse him he would certainly die serpentine came in all haste to see what she could do for her darling but he rejected with scorn all the portraits of lovely princesses which she offered him for his collection in short it was evident that he was in a bad way and the fairy was at her wit's end one day as he wandered about absorbed in melancholy reflections he heard sudden shouts and exclamations of amazement and if he had taken the trouble to look up he could not have helped being as astonished as every one else for through the air a chariot of crystal was slowly approaching which glittered in the sunshine six lovely maidens with shining wings drew it by rose-coloured ribbons while a whole flight of others equally beautiful were holding long garlands of roses crossed above it so as to form a complete canopy in it sat the fairy paradamy and by her side a princess whose beauty positively dazzled all who saw her at the foot of the great staircase they descended and proceeded to the queen's apartments though every one had run together to see this marvel till it was quite difficult to make a way through the crowd and exclamations of wonder rose on all sides at the loveliness of the strange princess great queen said paradamy Permit me to restore to you your daughter, Rosanella, whom I stole out of her cradle. After the first transports of joy were over, the queen said to Paradamy, But my twelve lovely ones, are they lost to me forever? Shall I never see them again? But Paradamy only said, Very soon you will cease to miss them, in a tone that evidently meant, Don't ask me any more questions and then mounting again into her chariot she swiftly disappeared the news of his beautiful cousin's arrival was soon carried to the prince but he had hardly the heart to go and see her however it became absolutely necessary that he should pay his respects and he had scarcely been five minutes in her presence before it seemed to him that she combined in her own charming person all the gifts and graces which had attracted him in the twelve rose-maidens whose loss he had so truly mourned and after all it is really more satisfactory to make love to one person at a time so it came to pass that before he knew where he was he was entreating his lovely cousin to marry him and the moment the words had left his lips paradamy appeared smiling and triumphant in the chariot of the queen of the fairies 
for by that time they had all heard of her success, and declared her to have earned the kingdom. She had to give a full account of how she had stolen Rosanella from her cradle, and divided her character into twelve parts, that each might charm Prince Merliflor, and when once more united, might cure him of his inconstancy once and forever. And as one more proof of the fascination of the whole Rosanella, I may tell you that even the defeated Serpentine sent her a wedding gift, and was present at the ceremony which took place as soon as the guests could arrive. Prince Merliflor was constant for the rest of his life, and indeed, who would not have been in his place? As for Rosanella, she left him as much as all the twelve beauties put together, so they reigned in peace and happiness to the end of their long lives. End of Section 6 Rosanella of the Green Fairy Book by Andrew Lang